this whole uh, theme of of how the disciples basically uh, went on with their lives after Jesus was resurrected because the one thing we sort of camped out on is the resurrection of Jesus. His life and his death and resurrection were just unbelievable. Uh, these, the guys who lived with Jesus had no more information than we did. That the, the guys who followed Jesus had no more clue about what was happening uh, than we would. And so one of the things that often stumbles us is that, that the unbelievable side of God seems trips us up. I mean, how many of us are trying to understand God and all about his ways in our own intellect? It's impossible. And that's often encouraging to understand. So what, when we don't have understanding, what we have is, is, is character and presence. Um, you know, children don't understand everything about their parents, but if they know that they're loved and secure in the presence of their parents, then they can let a lot of their under- need to understand go. And that's why very often, uh, you know, the reason we're doing an Alpha course is, is, is often if you talk to people and say, well, who is God for you? What's he like? On that answer hinges everything. So what is God like? What is God like, the one that you'd believe in? What's he like? Is he nice? I mean, what does he do? What difference does he make? And you'll be surprised how many people have sort of frequented churches for years and they don't know what to say to that question. And my encouragement and my exhortation is if you don't know what to say to that question, then you need to start having some conversations. I'll tell you what God isn't. He's not like somebody who's living in Fir Park. He's not a benevolent old man where you come and visit him on Sundays and give him some candy and, and he's pleased with you. He's, he's, he's the living God. And in some ways, and don't take this wrong, but the power of that first testimony about driving and texting. Oh, I think this, this, and this, and this. And then you're in the presence of somebody who's been impacted and everything changes. And then the cockiness is gone and the casualness is gone and it's, oh shoot, I don't know what to say to you. And there's an element where in God's presence that's sometimes the awkwardness of our conversations where he just reveals us to us. And all he's trying to do, and you notice that woman sat there with those guys. She didn't try and let them off the hook. They sat there. And she said, it's difficult for me as well as for you. And for God that's true as well. See, God wants to captivate your heart and my heart. Because it's when your heart is captured that everything else changes. Then what you do changes and why you do things change and how you feel about other people change. And that's a lifelong process. And if we look at what what's happening in, in this uh, section we're looking at today, you'll see this uh, tension that's existing. Um, I'm in Acts chapter 5, where the disciples... We've, we've gone through these chapters. You know, they've come and they've, I've said this every week, they've, they've met this man at the, at the temple gates and they've spoken healing to him and said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he gets up and walk. And you would think everybody would celebrate, but they, all hell literally broke loose. Jealousy came out. Attitudes came out because these disciples healed people in the name of Jesus, in the name of God. And the man was standing, leaping and praising God next to him. And the religious leaders were going, who do you think you are? And not only who do you think you are, but you're showing us up because we can't do that. And you have this tension. And this tension is always the kingdom of this earth and the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is where the presence and power of God are worked out. But it is not intuitive to us. 
And I guarantee you, every single one of us, there's parts of who God is that we just rise up and resist. We don't even know we're resisting. We'd say, oh, but if I knew it was God, I wouldn't. And he said, yes, you would. Because there's, a, there's, a, there's something about God that causes us to uh, want to... There's something about God that demands complete obedience and complete surrender. And that's what we spend our lives having to learn. And so these disciples um, got, got arrested and they, they, an angel came and set, set them free from jail. That's pretty supernatural. Now, God doesn't always do that. In fact, I don't think that's the norm. Um, you know, God doesn't send angels to rescue people every day. I know some people say, oh, yes, you do. And they, you know, I don't think that's true because I think the, all those disciples who were let free, set free from, from the prison, they all got killed in the end. They all got persecuted. An angel didn't rescue them every time because God actually says, you know, I want you to shine for me in the context of where you are. When Paul was in prison with Silas later on in Acts, an angel didn't rescue them so much as an earthquake came and they were meant to be set free, but they stayed where they were because the jailer could be rescued, saved by Jesus. Because most people would have said, this is a sign from God, I can be free. And Paul said, no, this is God so that the jailer can be free. It's a weird thing. The prisoner set the jailer free. That's the kingdom of heaven. But we are so wrapped up in ourselves that everything about God is always about how he's going to make my life happy and convenient. That's about how we measure things. And God's so far from that. He said, I've called you to be a servant. I've called you to live for others. And that's when actually we become free, when we start looking beyond ourselves. So where are we going to go today? I'm actually going to show you another video today because uh, I thought you could get a change from my voice. Just the one thing before I show it to you is, is what you have is, is these people, you have Peter and, and the disciples on one side and you have the religious leaders on the other side. The religious leaders ha, uh, basically live in their heads and they've got all the kind of biblical training and everything else. And then you have these disciples who are healing people and, and living it. And these are two power structures in the same place at the same time in the same courtyard with totally different perspectives on life and on God. And what they're really asking at the end of the day when Peter's standing there and then the Sanhedrin are saying, what did we do with these people? I mean, we put them in jail, the doors were locked and yet we just picked them up from the marketplace because apparently they were set free but the doors are locked and the guards are there. And they say they can't but speak of what they've seen and heard and they say we've got to listen to God, not to you. And you have these educated people scratching their heads saying, what are we to do? And what they're really saying is, what, who is God and what's he saying? And you have these uneducated people by, by and large saying, well, we know who God is and we know what he's saying. He's saying, care for the poor, bring healing to the captives and the sick, serve each other, share your possessions. They've said all that in the chapters before. Let your lifestyle be a witness, not just your words. Don't try and control people, serve them. That's what they said. That's what God's saying. And, the, and the, the, those who are, are in charge of the religious structures are wrapped up in tradition and religion and they don't even know God. And them is us. We all have traditional ways of thinking. We all have traditional ways of doing things. And we are very easily offended. 
you might notice in this culture. Political correctness is all about how do you protect the, the, the offense of the nation because people are so easily offended. How easy is it to challenge you? How easy is it to press up and say, what are you doing? Without just going, I'm going somewhere else. You, I, just, I don't like the way you're speaking to me. How do you know how God speaks? So what I thought I would do, and, and just one thing, one of the guys there was Gamaliel. He was a professor almost at a university. And he said, look, you've had insurrections before. People have risen up in the name of God and it hasn't lasted. So if this is of God, I wouldn't touch it. If it is of God, I mean, if it's not of God, if it's not of God, it'll, it'll fade away. If it is of God, I wouldn't touch it anyway. It'll, you won't be able to fight it. And you remember Gamaliel. Gamaliel is the professor, if you will, under whom Saul of Tarsus was educated. Gamaliel was a, a mentor to Saul. Saul was the guy who in Acts 9 walks to Damascus and gets slammed to the floor, is blind for three days, and his intellect is completely shattered and God reveals to him and says, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's called revelation. And what I want to pray for today is that we have revelations of who God is for us. Because our, th our thinking and our attitudes take us so far and some of us are stuck in our thinking and attitudes. Some of us might not have had a new thought for many, many years. Or some of us have held on to opinions for years and years and years and every time anything new is offered to us, we just pull up our opinion. And actually what's happening is you're, f you're scared in your heart and so your heart is so closed that your opinion protects you. But unless that opinion is, is, is absolutely chocolate-coated in love and power, it's probably not of Jesus anyway. So we learn how to allow God to change our opinions, change our realities. I wrote a note in Trail Notes this week and I was struck by a phrase in Hebrews and then I'm going to show you this movie. Um, in Hebrews chapter 5, because it just, it just describes what I'm trying to talk about. It just says, you no longer try to understand. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. And what he's just saying is there's no point in talking to you because you've got a closed mind. You've got a closed heart. So you still need milk. You still need baby food because you actually won't wrestle with things. So you stay immature. What I want to show you is, is the core of, of this message, which is how do we know who God is and how he speaks? And I thought I might sort of kill two birds with one stone. This is the talk from Alpha in about week six or seven. And this is sort of what Alpha looks like in terms of... Uh, um, an evening where you show a, a talk and then you have roundtable discussions with people who you have got to know because you spend time with the same people each week. So let's uh, watch this and then I'll just wrap it up at the end. I love the presentations. Um, I think sometimes in, in our culture, can we turn the lights back on? Please? Um, sometimes in our culture and in some of the things we do in the Christian world, uh, we get so supernatural in a, f a weird way that we lose touch with the pragmatic type balance of what I think they present, which is 
Um, God is less complicated than we are and the way we actually learn with him is just to be sensible with who we are and where we are. And so reading the scriptures, looking at our circumstances, taking wise counsel from people are all ways in which he speaks. But the thing that it all hinges on is whether we're willing to participate in that. Many people are looking for magic and magic doesn't happen. Magic happens with the fortune tellers and the tea leaves and the seances. It doesn't happen with Jesus. Jesus is, is relational. And so he's speaking to each of us right now. What we have to get hold of is that he loves us with a passion. And we can only learn that love if we risk with him and we walk with him. And we can only walk with him in the company of others, step by step. So how does he guide? In a whole lot of ways. And the things that he's already planted in you, passions that you have or desires you have for good are things very often that are little telltales of what God has for us. So I hope that that encourages you to see the value of something like Alpha where you can just gather and listen and learn and then what happens on an Alpha course is that after that you sit, in a, you sit around with six or eight people and you just talk about it and there's one or two questions and then you go home but it gives you something to talk about and, uh, and reasons to believe, which I think is really important. Most of us are changed by stories. What's most powerful in that is, is, uh, is Paul Cullick, I think his name is, uh, he's a prison chaplain now, the guy who spoke about his father and his mother. You know, the stories that illustrate the truths of Jesus. If you want to see people's lives change, tell your story thus far and everybody here has lots of stories tell the stories of your struggles and your failures tell the stories of how you don't know what things mean tell the stories of when you got disillusioned tell the stories of what you're still hoping to learn just tell stories from your life with humility and how you're learning and what you're still wanting to learn and what you struggle with don't just quote verses to people. Don't preach at them. Just share your life where it is now. And I promise you, you will find there's so much hunger. And then just invite people into your life and then inviting them into your life, you'll invite them closer to Jesus and Jesus will do the rest and you won't even know. Let's stand. Let's ask him to continue to lead us and guide us and work in us. You see, he says to us, uh, you're no longer orphans. As we stand here right now, do you feel like an orphan or do you feel like a friend, a son and a daughter? So Jesus, if anybody feels like an orphan right now, I just want to ask you to come close to them. Now, you can stay an orphan, but God says to you, I am your father and I want to be with you. Will you let me? God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever responded to him, whoever responded to his son, Jesus, he would give eternal life, which means hope and life on earth right now. And there... I would be surprised if there's not one or two or five or ten people here who don't even know who Jesus is. You've heard about him. 
and you don't really know enough about him, but something in what's been said today has caused you to go, I wouldn't mind knowing that. And you can ask him right now. You can just say, Jesus, I don't really know you, and I know that my life has not amounted to much, and I ask you to forgive you for my own walk that has been independent and defiant, and I just thank you that you died on the cross for me. And I ask you to come into my heart right now. And I ask you to be a friend to me like I've never had. And I don't even understand these words that I'm asking. But I ask that you make them real. Just as Paul said, if you are real up there, will you meet me down here? And you can do that. God's very good at backfilling. He, you, know, you were conceived and born and you didn't have a clue what was going on. The same can happen spiritually. So Jesus, if anybody's asking you to be real for them, I just ask blessing over that right now in your name. If you need guidance, if there's something that you're struggling with or you feel lost, and I've been in those places, it's usually when I've been angry and defiant and disappointed. And my testimony is God can take everything I've thrown at him and he doesn't. He doesn't throw me out, even though I deserve it. He just says, when you're finished, we'll talk again. But if you need guidance today, if you, you need just know God's purpose for your life, maybe you've lost your way, maybe you don't really know, tell him about that. And Father, I pray that in these next days and weeks, you will bring revelation of your presence to each person here that you have a purpose and a plan that's not a preordained purpose and plan that means it's fatalism. It just means if you walk with him, he says, I've got things that we can do together. It would surprise you. I can make you look good. I can fill up the emptiness in you and the fear in you I can cast out because of my love and the aimlessness of your life. I can give direction. It will change your life completely. So let's ask Jesus give us revelation of his hand on our, our lives that we would walk with purpose. So bless the purposes you have in this room right now. Now break the lies of fear of failure in the name of Jesus.